Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 John 5. What comes into your mind when you hear about God's commandments? Well, if you think about that from the perspective of an unbeliever, what you're most likely going to see is resentment. I don't like God's commandments. God, God's commandments are leading me away from what I want and pointing me towards what, what does not sound appealing to me. Okay, what happens when you become a Christian? Do you keep that perspective on God's commandments? No, I think now your view is transformed. Your view of God's commandments shouldn't be as some burden that has been placed upon you. Now you view God's commandments as something good, that they are helpful instructions from a loving heavenly father. And that's something that we need to see. God's commandments are not a burden for his children. Sin is a burden. And we need to make sure that has flipped in our mind. And that's a part of what 1 John is telling us. It says pretty clearly in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And then look at this, and his commandments are not burdensome. So you hear that right there in God's word. We show that we love God by keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Is that how you think of God's commandments? And I want to encourage you to think that way. I mean, let's just notice a couple things here. One, it's a continuation of the theme that we have seen that an evidence of true faith, of real belief, is I keep God's commandments. And of course, this is not keeping God's commandments to earn anything from God. The Bible makes crystal clear what we cannot earn our salvation by keeping God's commandments. And even if you think of salvation, as we've talked about, kind of like a math equation, the good works, the obedience of God's uh, commandments, that's on the right side of the equal sign. It's a result of being saved, not something that you do to be saved. And it's a result of being saved because as a saved person, as we've seen, especially in chapter four, well, now we love God. Why do we love God? To earn something from him? No, we love him because he first loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So now we love God in response to his love for us. And so why do we do his commandments? Because we love him. And we see that his commandments are not burdensome. And that is, I think, a big misconception, probably just in our culture, because we, we buy what really is a lie, that God's commandments are restrictive, that God's commandments keep us from having fun. That is a lie. God's commandments protect us from harm and 
evil and all kinds of problems and destruction. That's not how the world thinks about it, but that's how Christians should think about it. We should be able to say like the psalmist, God, I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I want to keep your commandments because in your commandments, there is actually safety. Your commandments will keep me from the burdens of sin and its consequences. So we need to transform how we view God's commandments. They are good instructions from our Heavenly Father. And that's where it's only possible, I believe, to view them that way uh, in response to real salvation. If you're not saved, you're not going to be able to view God's commandments that way. Because if you're not saved and you think you love God's commandments, it is inevitably going to be because you think God's commandments are some, you know, rungs on a ladder that you can climb to earn your salvation. And that is not what it is about. God's commandments are loving instructions from our heavenly father. But until you are rightly one of his children, that's not going to make sense to you. But once you are one of his children, that should become, uh, that should make more and more sense to you that the more you grow as a Christian. And that's why I think there's a link here to faith. Verse four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? So even our faith is instrumental in this changed Viewpoint, our faith is instrumental in us overcoming the world because we actually believe God. We believe what he says. We trust what he says. And so instead of following the world and the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, we will instead follow God and his commandments because we trust him. We truly believe who he is. We believe what he says, and it will lead to this pattern of increasing obedience to God in our lives. And so that ties up a lot of what we've seen, um, because we've clearly seen if you keep on practicing sinning, well, then you're not saved uh, because there's been no change in direction. But those that have been saved, there will be a change in their life. And as we've said frequently, not of perfection, but a change of direction. And now we understand a little more of why, because now we have faith. We have a different viewpoint on God. We have a different viewpoint on his commandments, and that is going to increasingly show itself in our lives. Now, we come back to another section, starting in verse 6, where it's likely that John is countering some false teaching that is going on, because he speaks of these witnesses to the identity of Christ. Um, And it talks about the water, the blood, and the spirit. And what's going on there? I think the best understanding is that the water is referring to Jesus's baptism and that the blood is referring to his death. And it seems that perhaps some of the false teaching was denying some of the aspects of the humanity of Christ. And here he is emphasizing, no, Christ really was human. He really was baptized. He really died on the cross. The the spirit even, you think even at the baptism and other points is borne witness of Christ. And so we we have this testimony. We, We believe this. Our faith Uh, which overcomes the world is not just some blind shot in the dark. 
There is reason. There are witnesses for us to believe. And we see in verse 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. So this life, everything that we're talking about ultimately comes from Jesus and a right relationship with him. And you will not have a right relationship with Jesus, the son of God, if you don't know who he is. So like we saw in chapter four, there's an importance to our doctrine, what we actually believe, the the substance. Do I believe this? Yes or no about the identity of Christ that will impact our faith. And one thing that we've seen in the book And I've tried to show you the goal of 1 John is not to get you to doubt. It's a good book. If you're you're struggling with doubt about your salvation or you're wondering about that, it is a good book to read. But the goal primarily is not to get you to doubt. The goal of this book is to get you to have joyful, confident assurance. We see that again in verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life life. So we've seen that, but one thing that we've seen already, but now we see again is one application of that joyful, confident assurance is our prayers. Verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So a joyful, confident Assurance of your salvation and an assurance of your relationship with God should lead to confident prayers. And that's a specific application I want you to think about today. Are you going to, maybe after you listen to this podcast, or if you're listening to this podcast before you read, after you read your Bible, are you going to spend time in prayer? And what is your attitude going to be going into that prayer? Well, you know, I'm like writing a letter to Santa Claus and who knows, right? Well, that's ridiculous. That's not what prayer should be like. We should be bringing requests to our heavenly father according to his will, right? That there needs to be some knowledge of God and what he wants for us to this, but we should go to God asking him for what we need with a confidence that he will give it to us. You need to go to God with confidence in your prayers. So that's one specific application that this isn't, you know, some wish list that you don't think is going to happen. These are real requests to a father who loves you. And so you should pray that way. And, And that's what needs to be going on even in your mind as you think about prayer. Now it goes on here, uh, to describe, uh, some things, that are interesting. It talks about seeing a brother committing a sin, not leading to death. What is going on here? Well, I think just one biblical illustration might help us understand this. Think of Ananias and Sapphira. They sinned in a way that clearly led to death. And I think even first Corinthians is another example. There's sometimes where even a believer is in sin and God says, okay, the consequence for that sin is going to be death. I'm going to remove you from this world because of that sin, even though you might be a believer. I think that's what it's talking about there with a sin not leading or with a sin leading to death. Uh, But let's not miss the forest for the trees here. The context really is 
about prayer. And so one thing I want you to note here is that one thing you should be confidently praying for is the holiness of your brothers and sisters in Christ. You should be praying for their holiness. And if you see someone seemingly straying off into sin, you should pray for them. And, and there's even some positive things here. God will give him life. Um, that there will be positive results to those prayers. So that's another specific application uh, of this confident prayer. So we're done with First John. We, we've made it through First John, a great book to read if you're wrestling with the question, am I really saved? Or how can I even know if I am really saved? And I, I want to say, how are you ending First John? And if you're ending First John and saying, man, if this is describing what real Christianity is, I know that's not describing me because I'm still walking in darkness. I'm still going in the desires of my flesh. Well, then I want to remind you that can change right now. If you're convicted by the book of First John that your faith is phony, it doesn't need to stay that way. Go back to chapter one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you are convinced that your faith is phony based on reading First John, do not fall for the error that the way to fix that is by trying harder and doing better. No, the way to fix that is you need a right relationship with Jesus Christ, which can only come through faith in him. So I would plead with you, call out to God for grace through Jesus Christ um, in faith, and you will find, okay, now you're going to see a different life. That can change right now. But I hope for most of you listening, I hope you leave here strengthened. I hope you leave not doubting, but I hope you leave reminded of the promises of God. I hope you leave encouraged by seeing, yes, I, I see God working in my life. And I hope that leads you to confident, joyful assurance and that you would live a life that, that is filled with the joy that comes from knowing that God is your father and looking forward to an eternity with him. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.